Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Six pounds, pounds. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her and con over. Oh, nice. <laughs> How did I not see that coming? How did I not even think of that? Remember last week when Summer did the she and her, and then I was like, wait, I know. That was what I thought of. It was in front of us all along. Man, My name is Summer was- Yeager. I am here with my beautiful co-host Joy. We are once again joined by our friend Zach Conover. That was wordsmithy. <laughs> it was. Thank you. Yes. Um, I have a question for you guys, and okay. I know you each have an example, and I'm going to respect that you might not be able to answer it <laughs> on air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just going to respect that. Um, but we've all been married long enough, not the three of us, but to our spouses, just to be clear. Thank you for the qualifier. Just really want to clarify. Bob Chalmers just was like, I knew it. I I miss Bob. I hope he's okay. Has he not been around? I haven't seen Bob in a while, and Bob's an old man. So if you guys see Bob around on our social media, let me know. Just be nice to Bob. Be nice to Bob. Um, what is something that you had to, like, warn your spouse that you did? This might take a minute. (laughs) That's fine. I can start with mine. I'm just being like, have you ever had to like call? I have one. Your husband and be like, hey, I just need you to know. This is what I, this is what happened. Like, this is what, like before you get home. (laughs) I actually, my husband and I had a, uh, this morning we had a conversation that sort of alluded to this. So this is something I told him. Okay. About oh, you were ready and he knew bef- he knew about me before I married him. Okay, and yeah. he knew about me. <laughs> he knew what he was getting into. He yes. worked all that out in the premarital <laughs> counseling. He sometimes I think he might forget that he knew this, but he has always known it. <laughs> yeah, and it's that um, I am not easily impressed. No, uh, uh-uh. I don't. <laughs> It takes a lot to like make me laugh. Yep. It takes a lot to make me think, oh, I know. Wow. I know. Impressive. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm not falling somewhere on oh, I know. the spectrum of yes. like proud or yeah. like, oh, what a great job. Like, I mean all that. It's just that it doesn't yeah. always register. I know. I tell you about my life every week. <laughs> I know. It doesn't always register on my face. (laughs) You don't like, if you're looking for me to be impressed, you better have done something really, really impressive. (laughs) Because otherwise you will see no signs. I just, it's like I said, sometimes I'm feeling all those feelings. I know. But I just don't. uh... You didn't tell your face that you were feeling them. Yes. Uh-huh. So I, I honestly can't think of anything before, but I mean, it might be a pious answer. It might be, but oh. I'm not trying to Jesus juke you. Okay, great. These are things. These are things. I feel like that I learned after being married. Yes. About myself that oh. I didn't know prior. Right. 
I didn't know that I liked this in a particular way. Yeah. I didn't know that I wanted this to be this way. Yeah, but it was exposed. It was exposed when you didn't get it anymore. It was brought to the surface or like, wow, that was a very thoughtless thing that I did. Mm. Like I was not thoughtful at all at all how that would affect you or or anyone else, you know, because before you, uh, you know, enter into that arrangement covenantally, it just didn't cross your mind because you're the only person there. Right. You know, so. That's that's, well, that's my two cents. That's your very general answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did your husband impress you? Uh, yes. Well, is that what happened? That's is why that I where married you were him. Going with that's that? why no. I married him. You guys are so general. What did you do, Joy? Well, it was. What just, did you do? It was just funny. He was Tell teasing me because his business has been doing really well, and so he'll be like, "Guess how much money and I made," and I'll be like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh great! What a patriarch! <laughs> what a patriarch! Get so much money I made. I'll be like, oh. great, babe. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll just be like, but we're still gonna have to buy a washer and dryer when we get. <laughs> just so you know, that's good. And I am so, like, yeah, I know. I love how yeah. much money he made i am so happy for him but you just weren't impressed that he built he built this he built this whole he built this whole business love that for you i'm just not impressed like he's done he's worked so hard yeah i'm so happy but (laughs) i just like can't and i have granted when we were there have been occasions where i have i have accurately registered like how happy I am for yeah. him and all that stuff. Yeah. So I don't want anyone to think I'm just like, awesome. What's next? Um, but yeah, I just have that like, okay, well just keep making that. <laughs> just keep doing it. Just keep doing it over and over again and we'll be good. <laughs> I, I guess if there's one thing that, that my significant other lifelong partner did not know uh, prior beforehand is my love to turn a phrase or try to tell a joke that I think is really funny. <laughs> oh no. And you are into the dad joke. On on the other hand, it's like that was that was awful. That was awful. Like what you just said was awful. <laughs> I award you no points and may God have mercy <laughs> on your soul. Yeah. <laughs> you I'm know, dumber for having heard that. <laughs> there's that and you know, I'm I'm the kind of guy that loves to you know, when there's a menial task performed around the house, I love to put the music on and just sing at the top of my lungs. Yeah. But I don't I'm not sure Taryn knew about that. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't if you you didn't live with somebody. So, Well, I had a specific, you guys, this is very general, but um, when I... I just want to say there is a common thread here, which is that wives are not always impressed by their husbands. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not impressed by your voice that you think is so great. What are you saying? Not impressed by your dance moves. Not impressed by your jokes. None of it. But I also think it creates (laughs) a humble man. Like, how impressed is your mom by your dad zero she's <laughs> never been impressed but, she w- well that's not true she was impressed when they met because oh, yes. they he took her to mcdonald's on their first date and narrated the battle of midway from world war ii for her every minute of it bro he was trying to like and it worked i mean that worked i mean yes. i exist so so what you guys all just the learned standard is so different now <laughs> Well, I'm just saying there is a very short window of time in which you must impress your lady. (laughs) I am so impressed. Let's get married. 
Like what? The <laughs> Battle of Midway. When I first found this out, some my mom, my mom just looked at me and she was like, "I was always into the nerdy dudes." <laughs> so oh. that I mean, I don't know. I feel so. I am not always. Im- I'm not impressed by dad jokes, but I feel really impressed by my husband all the time. Yeah. Am I weird? I feel incredibly impressed by him. Awesome. Constantly. I'm impressed by him all the time too. I'm honestly, I know I was going to say that honest, too, but then I'm like, I'm impressed by him I'm constantly. I'm impressed all the time. Like he'll just spit out a two thousand word blog, and I'm like, dude, did you write that in one day? He's like, yeah, I just I had some stuff. I just threw it together. I was like, are you yeah. kidding me? Like, no. weren't you like doing manual labor all day? You, how did you get the yeah, time to do I that? I could give you like details about how laid back he is when he does stuff like that that would blow your mind. But I'm always just like impressed by him. Anyway, um, I. When we first got married, you know, when you get married and you discover like the ways in which your spouse is like really clean, but really disorganized. And of course, to bless you and sanctify you the most, you guys are exact opposites. Well, when we first got married in my head, in the story I told myself, which is the theme of this episode, (laughs) is if I bring a level of organization to his bedside table he will be impressed with me. The man will love me for this, is what I told myself. And I believed, just to be clear, I wasn't telling myself a lie. I was like, watch me be an amazing wife right now. And so I went to Target and I got a little tiny, you know, I got a little organizer. And I'm like, this is is a masculine looking, I mean, it's black, it's mesh. There's zero flowers, it's not pretty. Okay, he's gonna love this. There's a spot for his pens. There's a spot for I don't know all of his little tools and gadgets that he <laughs> lives, might need that before he going to bed. Doesn't go, <laughs> go anywhere without the man has tools and gadgets. Um, and I'm like, this is what he like. Watch man, how yeah, much he's guys gonna have tools and gadgets. So many tools. We have and so gadgets. many machetes. We have axes. Just we have a shovel in our car at all times. At all times. Like there, he you has never know tools. when there's a hole to dig. He'll like wave around these tools, and I'm like, "What is that?" And he's like, "This is a I don't know." And then he tells me what he does with it every single day. I just know just like, this is my fidget Be- spinner. <laughs> <laughs> because of my husband, I know about handcrafted Swedish axes that cost like how much would you say an axe cost? Dude, I need to broaden my horizons. Way more Swedish than you think. axes. <laughs> Wow. The things I pull out of the washer, though, <laughs> that were left in pockets I didn't know existed is... Anyway, so I get this organizer. They have to have the pockets to put them all in. Yeah, well, he does. <laughs> I get this organizer, and I organize his bedside table, and he comes home, and he's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's your life, but organized. And I thought, like, surely this was like... You just, like, closed your eyes and <laughs> smiled and, like, waited for him to be impressed. He was not impressed. <laughs> because because you see, like me with the inside of my car, the less organized it is, the more I know where everything's at, you know? So anyway, all that to say, um, a couple weeks ago, I did it again because the man outgrew the first organizer okay. <laughs> that I bought him. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm trying again. Did it go over well the first time? No. Am I going to nail it this time? Am I going to like, I'm finally going to do it. Practice I am, makes perfect. I'm going to bring a level of organization to his life that is going to bless him. But I was like, 
you know, his first reaction, we were like newlyweds though. So I was like, not sure. Like, was he just like, I don't, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. You know him better. He understands the benefit of the organization. So I did. I, I texted him. I was like, listen, I did a thing. I did this thing and I'm not going to tell you what it is. And there's a 50-50 chance that you are going to love it. And then a 50-50 chance that you're going to hate it. And I just don't know which way it's going to go. But there are little eyes watching you. So keep that in mind. (laughs) (laughs) And I built, I constructed this thing. And I was like, this is it. Like, I did the research. I, I, I I took an inventory of what he likes to keep. And I was like, where can I have a... And I found the thing on Amazon that would have a spot for all of it. So that he could have... All of, I don't know what it is, but he could have it all in an organized fashion. And the joke with my oldest daughter is that like every five years, the organizer I buy him is just going to get like bigger and bigger and bigger because this thing's like twice the size of the last one. At some point, you're going to get like little drawer inserts like 3d printed <laughs> with a perfect outline of, like, of everything little thing. so it just like sits flush in there i don't know what this rectangular silver thing is you'd that have he to has, like that but it goes Every with man him everywhere likes the the two scale insert because that's like batman <laughs> right like batman like the thing pulls I the lever and then it's like a bunch of yeah. guns like, that makes me feel like the dark knight You're right i will enjoy it <laughs> The thing I bought for him is black mesh. It has a drawer shaped for right. each. Like, I really, anyway. Um, so I <laughs> what thought. What would Bruce Wayne buy? <laughs> yeah. I I'm thought. Buy that. It's a good standard. I thought I was revolutionizing his life. And then he came home and he sees it and he's like, that's cool. Thanks. <laughs> I couldn't impress him. So we learned I couldn't impress there him. is an impressed <laughs> spouse and there's an, and an impressive unimpressed spouse. spouse there's an unimpressed spouse i am the impressed spouse he is the unimpressed spouse you can't there's both in each in each relationship yeah so. yeah it and then would you make marry sense. each other yeah and it would make sense that we would be opposites obviously. right yes of course so yes. uh i'm the impressed spouse and you are impossible <laughs> to impress and that's how it goes. <laughs> anyway, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Support the show or join book club at patreon.com slash theologians. And this is a part two kind of-ish. Ish. Um, of Continuation. The, yes, of the discussion. T-O-O. Not <laughs> the number two. That took me way too long. In my head, I was like, T-O-O spells. What? <laughs> really sad uh we're continuing our discussion that we had last week let's Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk the we talked what mortification of sin is Mm -hmm. um why to battle it why it's important um this week i want to talk a little bit about what it looks like and this is again something joy and i have kind of been alluding to for a while and i think it's just one of those things that the more you look around the more you'll see it um and in particular because we're interested in culture i think the case that i would want to make is that our current culture the place that we all live in is under a mass delusion and that has done a lot for me in terms of 
I grew up in church in the church. And so I remember being a little kid. Right. And I remember being taught or re- and reading that Satan is the father of lies mm-hmm. and thinking like, yeah, lies are bad. But as a seven year old, like if I was going to lie about something, it would be like I took three cookies instead of two. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. As a seven year old, that was my concept of lies. And so saying that Satan is the father of that, like if we think of it that way, I'm not saying that there are good lies because there's not. Right. But it's it's different on a scale that I could understand as a child. Um, the destruction that comes uh, to someone's life from the father of lies, uh, you don't really see it yet in a seven-year-old. But mm-hmm. if you take that right. seven-year-old and give them 30 years of that kind of comfort with lies. Without ever stepping in and teaching them yeah. it's You're wrong. talking about a completely different problem, right? Yes. A man fully yes. grown will be like his teacher. Yes. So here's, and when I and when Joy and I say mass delusion, this is what I'm talking about. This is a real world example that I believe our entire culture, not our entire, the vast majority of our entire culture is under. And I think I've already told her this story. So uh, <clears throat> I this is what I... This is something I heard a woman say. She was talking about her daughter. And this is the story she told about her daughter. My daughter got a four-year college degree. Like everyone should do. You should go get your four-year college degree. It is going to change your life. It's going to unlock doors that won't be open to you if you don't have your four-year degree. And my daughter, who got her four-year degree, she the world is literally her oyster. Like, the life that she lives is fulfilled. It's full of options. There are no doors that are closed to her um, because she got her degree. And uh, this is what you need to do. The advice she was giving was, you need to do this. You need to do what she's done because I'm watching her live this like amazing, beautiful life um, with all this opportunity um, because of the hard work that she put in to get her four-year degree. Okay. Okay. That is the wisdom that she would give. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the reality. Her daughter is an adult who lives with her. Um, she can't support herself. She uh, works at the kind of job that cartoons like would make fun of. You know, like if a cartoon was trying to tell you this person lives a soul sucking job that makes them depressed, like some sort of cubicle ish, signing paper, fluorescent light, bureaucracy. That's the kind of job <laughs> yeah. that she has. She can't support herself. She has a a young child whose father is not in the picture, will never be in the picture, um, and is under crushing student loan debt. Right. She, again, has to live with her parents, uh, and everyone is on meds. Yeah. From the crushing, soul-sucking depression. Not quite the, the flowery picture she painted. But if you asked her... Yes. It's it's a complete opposite. It's world is your oyster, freedom, beauty. And and I think most there is an entire generation, I think particularly our parents' generation, if you don't get your four-year degree, you have no options. You you yeah. will have no life. 
And so they encourage young people to push off marriage. And what ends up happening to so many young women is they get their four-year degree and they get their child that's never going to know their father or they get their abortion. Then they have to move back in with their parents. Now their parents are parents of young children again. And this woman is truly not free at all. And their grandchildren don't get to have a family to live in. Mm. But the story is you must pursue this specific kind of education to the detriment of pursuing any sort of family life, um, you know, your childbearing years, go ahead and don't utilize those. Um, but have, you know, I mean, make sure to go to a school you can't afford. You're probably, you know, but you, you got to have sex because you're in your 20s. So, you know, just be careful. Well, and you want to meet someone, but you don't want to not know them before you marry them. So you should probably live with them. Maybe well. live with them. It is a formula for failure and depression that our generation is living out in mass mm-hmm. but with their mouths will profess and can encourage young people after them to do it anyway so they live the failure of it they live the destruction of it if you actually take an inventory of their lives it's depression it's failure it's dreams not f- fulfilled it's uh, fatherless children it's a ton of brokenness it's bitterness yeah um But if you ask them, they would say, yes, I did the right thing. I'm liberated. I did the right thing. And so seeing that kind of behavior, which, again, I really do believe so many, many, many people are actively engaged in that. The only explanation is this is self-deception. But it's it's a cultural self-deception. We know that it doesn't work. We know as a society that it does not work and we are going to continue doing it because ultimately, I would argue, their commitment is to their God, which is the state, which is the government. Sure. Which is self-enlarged. Right. Yes. <laughs> we uh, talked about that in the last episode, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And so um, I guess I just wanted to talk about what are some... Yeah, that's a good starting point. What are some ways that we see... Uh, in our, so what that makes me want to do when I see reflexively, when I see something like that, my first question of myself is in what, in what ways am I trying something that clearly isn't working or what ways am I telling myself a story that clearly isn't true because I don't want to deal with the crushing reality mm. of it because that is where I think we're going to find our pet lions. That's where we're going to yeah. find the things we're not willing to let go of. We're not, you know, that mother isn't willing to say, I gave my daughter horrible advice and I'm crushed by the reality of her life. And and she's not willing to say that. She's not going to say that. Mm-hmm. But as Christians, we have to own the fruit of our decisions. We have to be able to take a really critical inventory of what you you cannot call evil good and good evil that's your duty it's your duty as a christian not to call evil good and good evil so in what ways might i be doing that and it could be as simple as um i think for women it could be as simple as like in what way am i refusing to submit to my husband but i'm calling it godly yeah 
There's so or, many ways to. Yeah, even yeah. just your even just your feelings for your husband mm-hmm. and your children. We've created this mass delusion, like the wine mommy, like mommy needs her wine, um, because kids are just. I mean, well, and this actually expands in general to this is a very general principle, which is just that like. Life is hard. Work is hard. I should have a bad attitude all the time. And if something's hard, I should be able to express that with my body language and my face and the way I talk to you and the way I act towards you and the way I speak to you. Like, it's just, it's this like... I'm entitled to that. Right. Like, I am I feel yucky, so I can do whatever I want. Um, and then y- there is this... Um, Which is not negating the fact that it is hard. Right. It's hard to be a faithful husband it's hard to parent godly children right it's hard to uh work at whatever god has called you to do as to the lord it's hard to serve your community your church uh, the way that god calls you to all those things are not hard which is not neglecting the difficulty of them but as you said it doesn't follow that we can then justify or excuse the way that we're acting right because it's hard and you actually end up missing an opportunity to confront your ugliness and your sin. Like we're talking about, we were talking in the last episode about giving single people this gift and being like, here, enjoy this. So instead of coming alongside people who are struggling with some, with a godly desire, um, we're just saying, well, you better privately figure out how to enjoy where you are right now. Um, and you, you're missing it. You miss this moment. You, first of all, you're missing repentance, but you're also missing this, this moment. And this is where, this is this critical moment when it comes to delusion is the inventory, mm. the looking inward and the looking and saying, what am I doing? What is that? Are there any lions in here? You cannot, if you, if you're in a delusional state, you're, you're not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to, uh, logically look Mm -hmm. at things Mm -hmm. unless you're able to, to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so, so step number one, if you're not looking Mm. at all, then there are lions. Right. For sure. Yes. If you're not looking, there's lions. Yes. Not maybe, but there are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good, I mean, I think that's a, that there's so many examples and some of them are, like you said, some of them are rather simple and maybe even what we would call like little, or I guess what we mean by that is a sin of little consequence. Mm-hmm. And then there are, I mean, I think even just the whole delusion we have surrounding families, mm-hmm. it, you can go off in so many different directions in that way, right? Mm-hmm. This delusion that like a man can be a woman and a man can be a wife, but they also don't need to be a wife because they don't need to be married. Um, and there's just like <laughs> this like, uh, so let's just create a whole bunch of science and a whole bunch of psychology to support that natural human impulse to want to be sexually active or promiscuous Mm -hmm. and and then we'll just regurgitate it into the culture until um everyone thinks that that's what's right and normal despite the fact that what you end up having is a bunch of fatherless 
uh, children, a bunch of wives who are left unprotected, having to fend for themselves. And I'm like, you want to get really into the nitty gritty? Higher rates of crime, mm-hmm. higher rates of poverty. Mm-hmm. Like this is, it's undeniable. <laughs> it's undeniable that this has an effect that the separating of a man and a woman who are going to have children and no marriage is involved, like that has undeniably affected our culture. Um, not just in a social way, in a very practical, everyday type way. And we're, and women are still just posturing as though it's the most liberating thing you can do, going out and mm-hmm. and being with whoever you want and having a high body count. Mm-hmm. It's and it's not even that it's just as it like it's just as good as getting married. It's that it's better, it's better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's more experiential, and the more you experience as a human, the more the, the more intelligent you are. Yes, and mm-hmm. more actualized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, maybe this is something, this is probably, because this is a, a thought I had for this specific episode, I'm just going to say it now mm. and maybe it'll help me like contextualize what we're kind of talking about. Because this is more of the how to be, right? Mm-hmm. how to seek, how to destroy sin, yes. how to, mm-hmm. how to find what's hidden mm-hmm. from you maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so. Hiding in plain sight maybe. Mm-hmm. right <laughs> and then it's funny because we were just we took a little break in between the two episodes and before everything we had been talking about the fall mm-hmm. and um the the whole account in genesis and it helped me like rewrite my notes very quickly but so my thoughts were like so what happened in the self what happened in the deception in the garden right so are you this just ended up how I ended up writing it, but are you ignoring what God says? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Um, so that either means you're not aware of it or you know it, but you're not you're just pretending it doesn't exist. Which by implication you believe you're wiser. Right. Yes. I would go even farther than pretending. You're telling yourself I think if you're a Christian, you're likely telling yourself that you're not ignoring it when you are right the self-deception right. is it's excuse making right yeah. well so my next thing was explaining to god because yes. that also happened in the garden mm-hmm. um and in my notes i said by the way you you usually don't jump straight to explaining to god you explain to everyone else around you yourself, yourself. first yep um mm. and then the other one i said are you hiding mm-hmm. something from god which you're not I don't know if anyone needed to hear that. Right. But you're, you're not. You might you're be attempting. trying to. Yeah. You're attempting to. <laughs> you're trying to hide from God, but it's and not so, going to work. And so, I don't know. So, these are like just kind of the basic categories of the first deception. I'm sure people have spent their life's work on this. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to desecrate it by <laughs> taking these notes on our bathroom break. <laughs> well, no, it's the the... the or maybe these are like the phases of self-deception. Of self-deception. Or the, the ways in which right, we do yeah. it. I mean, the the Psalms talk about this too. You know, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. Um, there is no Ooh. fear of God before his eyes. He flatters himself in his own eyes Ooh. that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. Ooh. I'm so glad you said the word flatter. You flatter yourself. That's a, right. That's a huge part. You exalt yourself. Of deception. So that... You can't see. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if the 
you know, after Jesus healed the man born blind, the Pharisees were convinced that they had sight. And Jesus tells them, because you say you see, you're more blind than anybody. Mm-hmm. And so the rebuke was, you're being confronted right now with the truth about who I am and what I won't tolerate and what I demand, which is total submission, acquiescence to my lordship. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, right? I'm not interested mm-hmm. in false offerings. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in obedience. Mm-hmm. Um and they comforted themselves. They healed that conviction lightly by saying, Abraham's our father. Mm. We'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And so they appealed to their physical lineage mm. on the basis of, you know, dealing with that conviction or trying to, right. you know, not uh, receiving their Messiah. And that's just, you, all those examples you gave are ways in which we do it. I mean, sometimes I think even for Christians and pet sins, we don't want to fight either we're worn Mm. down from fighting Mm. because it's like why do i still struggle with this i thought i was past this i thought i was over it you know what god loves me i'll go limping into the kingdom with Mm. this not dealt with right and i think Mm. um you know there's a passage too let me pull it up here in second kings about naaman (laughs) um it says in this matter May the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon. When I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. So he's going into a a, a temple, false gods, to worship, and he says, Lord, don't count it against me. Mm. Don't hold it against me. And I think that no matter what the besetting sin is Mm. that plagues us, that we have secretly made peace with, Mm. we are willing to go to church, read our Bibles, Mm -hmm. do the Christian things. As long as we know we're going to heaven, we believe we've convinced ourselves. The story that we've told ourselves is that we can limp into God's kingdom, turning a blind eye to that which he hates Mm. when he calls us to actually put it to death. So Mm. those are some of the ways that we do that. We flatter ourselves. Mm. We say, God, don't hold this against me. Right. Right. Well, and it's the writing of the story that reveals that the truth is known, that the conscience is pricked. So if you have to rewrite reality, right, that tells you, no, I know that this isn't, I know this is, I need to cover, right? So you don't, yeah. yes, it's, we know. it's a sweeping under the rug. It's like, I'm gonna put this rug over this dirt instead of cleaning up the dirt because cleaning up the dirt is confession and repentance. But creating a story and making it look nice is just a way to not actually have to deal with the dirt. And so I think that's what, and it speaks of guilt. Like it speaks of, yeah. we, I know something's wrong. I know something's wrong. So I need to rewrite this. I can't live in this story. It's like with the woman I was talking about. I can't live in a world yes, where this is true, where this mm-hmm. is true because it's right. so painful. Yeah. It's so painful to watch my daughter have to live this. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to rewrite it. I can't look at full in the face. Mm-hmm. I can't look at full in the face. And so I have to rewrite it. And that's what we do. I think it's the same thing we do with um, a lot of sins that we rename mental illness. Well, like, and that's where you, you're tu- you've touched on. In other words, the, I can't help it. The societal level redefining, which is so there is this. Because we're made in the image of God. We have to be able to cover it up. Right. But and and see, that's the thing is like even in the example you just gave, you like put the rug 
over. Mm -hmm. But then you graduate to the next step, which is dirt is a natural thing. Dirt is everywhere. Dirt is fine. It actually, if your friend comes over and says, you got dirt all over your floor. Your friend is is a a narcissist. (laughs) She hates people and she's judgmental. Yeah. And you better k- kick her out of your life like the toxic person she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, and this because is, she told you there's dirt. Right. So you have to hate yes. that. You have to hate her right. because there's something wrong with dirt. Who says there's and something wrong with dirt? And you work so hard. You work so yeah. hard and you're still not getting to the dirt. So why can't she just know that you work hard and you're just not getting to the dirt and, and it's fine. The dirt is fine and you'll clean up the dirt at some point. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not, because dirt is good and fine and that normal. That is the graduated story. No, you're absolutely right. And that is that is the vain philosophy that our culture just loves so much. Ugh. Like, I, and it expresses itself like where you, you know, if you think the dirt talk is dirty, <laughs> right? It gets right. incredibly perverse to the point where yeah. we are saying things. Mm-hmm. We are saying things like. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a man mm-hmm. when I'm actually a woman. Right. I like little kids. Yeah. And that's okay. That's normal and natural. Yeah. Um and or I uh in order to be equal, I need to kill my child. Right. Um this is just th- this is normal and natural and this is the price that that a working woman pays to right. reach her full potential. Um and we just you have this rewriting and it's because it's because a woman can't survive with the intimate knowledge that she killed her child. Yes. Um, and confronting that over and over again in right. the flesh right. with a woman. Mm-hmm. We have such elaborate systems yes. that we invent in order mm-hmm. to keep ourselves from the truth. Mm-hmm. Yep. The unbeliever demonstrates it all the time, but he has a very sophisticated ways of hiding from God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and just as the people that commit these awful things do, they're they're telling themselves a narrative in order to shield themselves from the reality of the truth. Mm-hmm. When it's the truth that will set you free. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. says. Mm-hmm. And yes. and you talk about Genesis what is humanity trying to do? They're trying to cover their own sins yep. mm-hmm. with fig leaves mm-hmm. of their of, of their own righteousness by their own construction. And that's why fundamentally the core issue is worship in this problem. Will you receive the sacrifice that God has ordained to cover you? Mm-hmm. Will you receive his call to grow up into maturity, mm-hmm. stare what you've done in the face, mm-hmm. and receive the free gift of Christ's righteousness to clothe you? and to cleanse and and purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Mm. That is the call, not to continually indulge the fantasy that you have constructed in your own imagination. So this goes right into idolatry, which is what false worship. Paul says that, you know, these idols, these false Mm -hmm. gods, we, we shouldn't think that the true God is like that, like he's an object formed by the art and imagination of man. Mm-hmm. He's not a conception mm-hmm. that you have fabricated right. in your own mind. Mm-hmm. He's the living God, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a God that won't turn a blind eye to your sin. He's a God that you're going to stand before and give an account for every everything you've ever done, right. um, including whatever this sin is. And so will you receive the righteousness that he offers? Will you be restored to true worship? Mm. That's... That's the key. Mm-hmm. Will you be, will you play the role that God has authored you for? Right. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a, 
an abortion track not too long ago. It's actually here now. It's printed. It's, I, I wrote it specifically in mind for the abortion-minded woman because that is the story that she's telling herself. You are the author of your own story, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You can write in sex. You can edit out the consequences. Um, you main know, character main, energy. You're the main mm-hmm. character. Everything mm-hmm. serves you. But here's the thing. It is God who made us and not we ourselves. Mm. There are covenantal stipulations. There are covenantal sanctions. There is covenantal reality Mm. woven into the fabric of the universe. And you cannot possibly hope to escape that. Mm -hmm. However many times you want to use the word consent, you are still confined by the restraints of the way God made the world. And to go against that is like trying to defy gravity. You might think you can fly but you're going to crash. Mm, yeah. You're well, going to come up against the way the world actually works. Yeah. We've created, we've just created this enormous web of higher education and the mm. intelligentsia and oh, all of it these. goes, it goes everywhere. I would say we talked about this years ago. Um, I think some people are obsessed with the idea of clean eating because they have dirty hearts. It's like, well, mm. Well, I only eat the purest of foods mm-hmm. that have no toxin. I don't ingest any toxins. Right. Um, all of my food is sustainably grown. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay, so there's this nugget of truth of we know as human beings we should care about our environment. We should right. be good stewards. We should take care of our, our bodies. bodies. Well, we yeah. should take care of our bodies. But I think you look on this you look on this national level, uh, particularly in our nation, of there's there is a totally huge large group of people who are like no I can't eat that that will pollute me. Mm-hmm. When Jesus says it's not what goes into a person, yes, but what comes out of their hearts. Yeah, and so just a, we will find ways to make ourselves clean to mm-hmm. tell ourselves we're clean. Um, and it could be like I said in areas of the way that we're eating. It could be in the areas of you know well my clothes are sustainable or I only use you yeah. know this and that and it's like I it speaks. The, the it speaks to guilt it speaks yeah. to a desire to be free to be clean it's so funny that it's called clean eating clean eating right. to me ironically uh, clean you know. clean energy right like clean there's all these ways that you can be clean without jesus mm-hmm. without actually dealing with the sin within um if you follow these steps and i think women are particularly prey to it and that's why it's something that you just see everywhere. Um, So you have clean eating, sustainable clothes, and then you've got, you know, you get your education. So you have a clean mind and it's just every, it all speaks to the desire of image bearers to be clean. We have, there is a natural desire. So whether you're pursuing these perverted things or not, I think the desire is there to say, I am not guilty. Yes. And that's, what's crying out is here's why I'm not guilty. Yes. And so, as Christians, our duty is to pursue being clean in the way that God has commanded us to be clean. And I think we just live in such a self-deceived age that we ourselves might not even see the ways in which we're telling ourselves a story like, well, I'm clean because I did this, you know, like I, yes, I totally lost my temper with my kids, but they. Yeah. Well, and right. And especially for women. Um, if you're listening to my voice right now, you live in a feminist grown society where women can't sin. Yeah. And with that must come this whole, again, we've talked about this whole sphere of, 
of, uh, you know, there has to be schooling and there has to be products and there has to be all these things. And that comes with a list of built-in excuses for women as to why they can't be the problem. Because men have to be the problem or the social construct has to be the problem or whatever it is. But but women are just doing their best out here and y'all are oppressing them, trying to trying to point out every little thing that we do. And um, and what you don't realize is that I have five reasons why I did that or I have I don't have two reasons why even if I did do it, it wasn't my fault. And then I have one big reason that it's not even wrong. So. They've deceived themselves into thinking that they're a better victim than Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. The only innocent man to ever live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And you'll just keep seeing that. You'll just keep seeing this um, like enforced allegory Mm -hmm. of people trying to be Mm -hmm. God. They're like trying to Mm -hmm. take on take on his attributes in weird twisted ways and his right. job in weird t- twisted ways. And his, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's messed up out there. <laughs> um, but I think, I guess maybe for the purposes of our conversation, mm-hmm. I guess the point we're trying to make is that you'd might be surprised by how often you're listening and how often you're allowing the delusions of the world to become mm-hmm. yours, yeah. your own, mm-hmm. um, and how you're using that to cover up sin. And I would say another big indicator, which Zach and I have talked about, um, I think this was the conversation we had where we decided that we should have you on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, no. Did I just forget what I was going to say? What's wrong with me? It's okay, because... Uh, I have something to say. Okay, go ahead. So something I we are talking about, uh, so we've been reading Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle mm-hmm. and Book Club and things like that, is um, that there is no, while men and women are both human beings, there is no just a human being. There's only men and women. Right. Right? Yes. There's Gendered no, piety, if you will. Yeah. There is no one. There is no one who's like, I'm just a human. I'm not a man or a woman. No, you're either... You're one or the other. Yeah. If you're saying that, you're wrong. Yeah. You're one or the other. You're self-deceived. <laughs> True. <laughs> self-deceived. Um, At a base level. Yeah. Uh, I think that, and I know that this is extremely unpopular with many. That's okay. Um, I think that women, we can go back to the garden and see that there were two different uh, temptations that were given into. And I think that the woman was deceived and uh, Adam at best was uh, derelict in his duty. Right. And I think the theme continues. I think the theme continues. I think, and if I'm wrong, great. You can speak to the, the temptations of a man. I've never been tempted as a man. I will also never be sanctified as a man. I will only be sanctified as a woman. Um, And I'll only ever be tempted as a woman. But I think that women in particular have a penchant for self-deceit, for creating. I mean, how many y'all have seen the memes and that we all laugh at the meme because it's true. It's like, you know, I, I always win the argument when I'm talking to myself in the shower or I had the best comeback 
two days later when I was alone and I was still stewing on it. Um, mm. and they call that staircase wit. <laughs> yes. Like you think of you're so smart yes. when you're like leaving. <laughs> yes. But the point is, so you're still what, thinking about what it. is a woman doing <laughs> right. days later after right. the argument? Yes. She's still talking to herself yep. mm-hmm. about it. She's still stewing on it. She's still telling a story or, um, how about, you know, I got all worked up in my head over something that I thought my husband was going to say, or yeah. I previewed the fight before the fight happened. We laugh because mm-hmm. it's stupid. Yep. But the reason that it can be a meme, which means it's a cultural universal, yeah. is that women tell themselves stories. We are very mm-hmm. busy telling ourselves stories mm-hmm. in our heads. We hype up the moments that haven't even happened yet. Acting them out. We act them out in our heads. And so what I'm thinking about is, okay, am I doing that? Is the story that I'm telling in my head, does it comport with reality? Or is it something that I'm just fearful of and I'm telling myself is going to happen? Like, what am what am I doing in my head? So when I take this inventory, I have to ask myself, am I telling myself the truth? And also, stop talking to yourself and start talking to God. Because this, right. this is what women do, right? So Satan, I'm sorry, Eve talked to the deceiver. <laughs> Freudian slip. Sorry. <laughs> Eve talked to the deceiver and was deceived. She should have, she should have ran and got God. Right? right. And so. At the very least, her husband. Minimally. And not to give him the fruit. <laughs> right. She should have, instead of been talking to the deceiver. Some of y'all saying Adam was right there with her. Watching her do all this, but I think maybe he like saw a monkey jump by or something and was like, "What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> Gotta name it. Gotta go name that thing. She should have been talking to God and not the deceiver. And so I think that's that's one thing that women need to get into the practice of is instead of talking to yourself, instead of telling yourself a story, instead of making this story up, you need to change your inner monologue and storytelling to either a conversation with God or just shut up. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously take his word as the dominant narrative. Right. What is driving you. Right. Well, yeah. And that's like, that's like the opposite of all these things. So are you ignoring God? Stop ignoring him. (laughs) Are you hiding? Stop hiding. Lay yourself humbly before God. Stop hiding. Make your sins known. Make yourself known. Lay it out. And then shut your mouth. Stop explaining everything to God, like why I would do this way, why why this happened and this and blah, blah, blah. And I can't, you know what, God, like I could just, I could love my husband if he just loved me better or if he just mm. uh, helped me do the dishes when he got home or X, Y, Z. And what I was going to say earlier that I like talked myself into forgetting is that um, is that you may find your weaknesses. So the areas where you are um, more compassionate with worldly delusions Mm. might be where your own lie. 
And this is what we were talking about, which is the inability to kill our own sin leading to like being a permissive observer or even a supporter yeah. of of sin in other people's lives. We tolerate it out there because yeah. first we have com- been compromised. Right. Um, and so yeah. those areas where you are mm. compromising mm-hmm. and you're maybe giving this, you're, uh, you're sinfully sympathizing mm-hmm. with an unbeliever or the world or its philosophies, mm-hmm. those may be the areas where you are, there's a reason. There's a reason you're going mm-hmm. soft there mm-hmm. because if you if you uh, pursued it with too much vigor, you might find yourself right. you might find yourself needing to be confronted um, and shut your mouth and forgive uh, ask for forgiveness and yeah. and all those things and you don't want to and you're so deep into the delusion that you can't like you can't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sp- speaking from a man's perspective to the Genesis yeah. question too, mm-hmm. I forgot who said it, but deep within every man's heart, there is a cowardly abdicating Adam. Mm. Mm. And so that is still very much part and parcel to the struggle mm. that men face, a, a desire to check out, a desire to shelf off responsibility mm. to others to the weaker vessel, to those who you believe are more competent to handle it when you, when God has actually called you to deal with it and no one else. Mm. And so absolutely, mm. I think that that is still there. And oftentimes young men get so up in arms about going to make a difference out there in mm. the world, in the culture, in the public square, and for good reason. There's so much evil to fight. But The Proverbs tell us that better is he that rules his own spirit than he who takes a city. Mm. If you cannot rule yourself, you will not rule well anywhere else. And so self-control is central, but this this nature of effectiveness too, right? The the reason we put up with so much evil in the world, the reason we're not willing to chase down the dragon and drive a sword through his skull Mm. is because we are keeping back for ourselves the things that have been devoted to destruction by God. And that is the reason why Israel was routed by their enemies. Joshua falls on his face, not knowing why God, why didn't you give us the victory? Mm. And he tells them, get up. There's sin in the camp. Mm. Achan has taken back some of the things as spoils, right? Mm -hmm. Pet things to be hidden and and cared for and admired as treasures. What I commanded to be destroyed. Mm. And so that's why you have in our society today, you have a few zealous advocates Mm. chasing multitudes of Christians out of the land Mm -hmm. because we're routed by our own sin Mm. and we can't stand before our enemies, which is what the text says, right? It Mm. says, Mm. Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them and they have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Mm. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. That's the price to be paid Mm. is that you can't stand against evil Mm. if you're not opposing it in yourself Mm. first. And so that is the initiative of every man to take is to oppose it in ourselves and to know that we have to rule well here first in our own hearts. We have to rule well in our own homes and our churches before we can go out. And that is not to say, oh, we are absolutely disqualified if you don't have everything in line to go do that. 
right? That's like, again, we talked about that in the first episode, like making yourself the standard. Yes. That's, it's different. Like hating your own sin and killing your sin is different than making than yourself, making the, yourself standard. the standard. To, yeah. Like trying to be perfect before you can go out. Toby mm-hmm. said something that nailed me back at ReformCon 2019 when he gave his talk. Um, you can't stand before God on the last day and say, Lord, look at all the babies I've saved. Mm-hmm. And then God say to you, yeah, but you lost the ones I gave you. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so are you neglecting what is closer Mm-hmm. for the glory of what is out there, mm-hmm. right? When God has given you such glory mm-hmm. to, to to prioritize here first mm-hmm. and then be effectual out there, but you can't do it if you're harboring things that God has devoted to destruction. Mm. Okay, so what's the best way to, inven- how do you take, how do you inventory? I, I mean, Obviously, I well, you have to identify. You have to start by identifying mm-hmm. what specific sins plague you. So, right. is it pride? Is you it, could ask your spouse. Yeah, they excellent. might know. And that <laughs> I think that that is really credible because we're talking about having a way to break into the narrative right. that you're telling yourself, and you can't do that from within yourself. It yeah. has to be a voice from the outside, right? <laughs> that gets you to wake up. Yes. And yeah. so that's why, if we're gonna kill sin. We, ha- we can't take it to ourselves. We can't just take it to our neighbor. We have to take it to God's law. Mm-hmm. We have to take our sin there first mm-hmm. and get a sense of it, right? Mm-hmm. Get a sense. Yes, it's evil. Yes, this is how far I fall short and feel it. Mm-hmm. Like we have to feel it. Yeah. We have to actually sit up under the weight of that and say, this is wicked. It's evil. It'll separate me from God. And it actually offends God. He's angry yeah. at it. But of course, identifying it, right? Does this particular sin beset me in a certain moment of weakness, right? Am I, are there conditions around me in which the sin attacks at that particular moment because I have my defenses down? Or because right. there's, there's, there's other things going on that this is the moment of attack from the adversary. This is when he comes, when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I'm fed up mm-hmm. um, with, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. When for, for I me, haven't reconciled yes. something with another person my spouse Mm -hmm. or my friend or whatever like am i prone to Mm -hmm. just like you're talking about just dwelling on things for days and days and days Mm -hmm. and knowing that about yourself knowing Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna i have a really hard time letting go of things so i better make sure Mm -hmm. i make this right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah identify it long and fight hard to be free of it as soon as you notice the conflict as soon as you notice yourself being hardened to it, right? If you start to become sermon proof Mm -hmm. or Bible proof, then you know you've got a problem, right? You know you've made allowance and compromised over a long period of time, little steps Mm -hmm. that, you know, ultimately will not end up in the good place. So of course there's more to be said about don't make any provision for the flesh, Mm -hmm. you know, don't surround yourself with things that lead you to that. If you feel yourself you know, losing it in that regard, then, then fight hard right away and fight immediately. Don't put it off. But I know we're getting into the how here. I mean, this is kind of, this is the antidote. This is the remedy. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to kill it, bring it to the law, um, to properly condemn yourself Mm -hmm. and then bring it to the gospel, Mm -hmm. bring it to Christ, not as a way just to, to clear your guilt right away, because you still want to feel the guilt of it, the shame so that you run in horror to Jesus. Right. But understand that when we bring it to the gospel, what we're saying is this, is this how I treat such amazing love? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a verse 
it impacted me so greatly a couple of years ago. I was actually in Hawaii at the time and there was an experience I had there because I was, I was plagued by a besetting sin and I noticed I would confess, but I wasn't changing, mm. right? It wasn't changing. It wasn't actually making a difference mm. in my life. And when you get a sense of the lasting guilt and then you do uh, what the scriptures say, bring it to Christ, ask, how could I scorn such amazing love? How could I trample your precious cleansing blood underfoot um, without a, a care in the world after mm. what you've done for me? Um, it says in Zechariah, this is the passage that broke me. I remember in this moment was they shall look on him whom they have pierced and mourn. Mm. We have to see what our sin costs. Mm. We have to see that it was the very thing that held Jesus to the tree. Mm. Right. And we have the prayer, the, the cry of our hearts, which is one of the means by which we take hold of the power of the spirit to mortify the flesh is Lord, show me what my sin costs. Let me see Jesus there on the cross, shedding his blood, bleeding, dying, suffocating, bearing the weight of the Father's wrath on my behalf. Let me see the price mm. that was paid for my sin. And I, I, that was a time of uh, an experience for me, but I, I remember being so plagued, overwhelmed by the burden of my guilt that I just broke down, I was mm. sobbing, I was wailing. And, and God keeps that burden on us until he's ready to lift it from mm. us. But the point is we need to get to the place where we feel it, yeah. feel the lasting weight of it, right. understand um, that we have pierced him mm. by our sins and our sins actually um, wound him. They grieve him and uh, we need to develop the right kind of holy hatred for them and understand this is what it costs. This is what's at stake. This mm. is what my Lord has done for me. And I think if we do that, that is when we'll start to see victory. Mm. Okay. okay. I mean, yeah, that's right. really, well, that's I'm not a, sermon yeah. right now, Zach. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. That's. I think that's a prayer. And here's, here's something else on that topic is, do you believe that if you pray that prayer and ask for that, that it will have any effect? Yes. Because a lot of times, just the ability to pray a prayer like that, like, let me see, let me feel Yes, is well, number one, a big request, but are you asking it? Cause you don't think it'll be granted Yeah, like that you might escape. Just know that he delights to answer it. Right. In the affirmative. <laughs> right. Like there are prayers that are yes prayers. Like we can just know like, yeah, that's a yes prayer. Yeah. Um, but do we believe when we're praying that that's actually what we're going to get? Yeah. And here's the thing, I think why, why he longs to answer it in the affirmative is because he's committed to you. Hmm. He, in his love, he's committed to making you look like that son who hung on the cross. Right. And so he will not be, <laughs> he will not be satisfied until yeah. he has accomplished. I think about it in my own context with my children, like how committed I am yeah. to, to, to teaching them Christ, to, mm. you know, I don't know the condition of all their hearts, but I'm committed to, to seeing them come to Jesus. I'm, com I'm, I'm committed right. to it. Right. Right. I'm, I'm committed to everything that happens after that, their sanctification, all of that. How much more is God committed to his children right. who are by no means illegitimate in any way? Yeah. Like yeah. we are legitimate Blood sons God. and daughters and therefore yeah. God will chastise us severely if necessary mm -hmm. to purge this out of us so that we can glorify him. Like that's what's at stake. Yeah. I think you just, um, I don't know if you did it intentionally, but you may have just become a discipline 
<laughs> apologist. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I'm just... Um, yeah. Uh, when we... For those of you that might be confused, um, and perhaps this is controversial, I don't know why it would be, um, but people surprise, you know? Um, but one of the... So the reason why disciplining your children has the sting of pain Mm. is because sin hurts hurts it separates right and i think that um i think that maybe okay I'm forming this all because I didn't know you were going to say all that stuff. So it's all happening oh, in my head right now. Me neither, now. necessarily. <laughs> but I'm just having this thought about even just so self-deception, the delusion versus reality. Um, there is, of course, you know, I think there is so much uh, help in talking to people around you. It's like one of the major benefits of fellowship Amen. is that it will help you not be deceived. But I think sometimes we, and maybe this is, maybe this is holding hands with like, we don't think our sin is that bad, but like, we don't understand how diligent God is to discipline us. Mm. And maybe we're even missing. We've removed ourselves so far from the situation that we are being disciplined and we're choosing to not see it as discipline. And at the beginning of 2023, I experienced physical discipline from the Lord. <laughs> oh, snap. And it completely changed my perspective on what I, for some reason, think God is capable of in terms of physical discipline. Because mm-hmm. we don't think of him as a body, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's no, like, swatting. The big hand doesn't come down right. from heaven. And I think maybe our perspective on this is not great. Um, And we don't realize that God is just because we live pretty easy lives here in the 2023 Western world. um, We kind of forget the pain of our sin and we forget the God that disciplines us just like we discipline our kids to show them the pain. Yeah. Of sin, um, yeah. Well, the, and here's where this leads. Yeah, if yeah. you continue, the yes. stakes. I mean, you're the stakes of not being self-disciplined as well are high. Like we lie to ourselves about what the results of our actions will be. Um, I just remember, and and it is something I think just as a kid that it's one of those things you have to believe in faith because when you're little, your sin, you know, when you're seven, your sins are like stealing cookies. Right. Right. And you're, I just, I remember being from, from a young age, something that my dad was always saying to me was you need to be self-disciplined. You need to be self-disciplined. You need to be self-disciplined. And Mm. I remember discounting it because I mean, in a way I discounted it. I did what he said because I believed him. I just believed him. The man was literally always right. So I got up early. I did my homework. 
whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. He said to do it. Uh, okay. No problem. But like, I didn't, I wasn't able to see the stakes of, okay, well, if you're not, and then you plan that trajectory out 30 years it's like yeah. the little kid that lies mm-hmm. about cookies and it's cute that becomes a serial killer oh, when he just he's wants a older. cookie but you know you you let that grow for 30 years and you're yeah. dealing with something completely other yes. and so it's like you have to be self-disciplined and self-ruled and if you cannot rule yourself like you said you can't rule anything but we do we see these little things and we we call them little things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it I understand that um, you know, stealing a cookie is not the same as stabbing someone in the eyeball. We can go ahead and make that very yeah. stupid obvious yeah. statement. But what we do with that stupid obvious statement is we pretend like stealing the cookie doesn't matter and won't turn into something else. We yeah. pretend that because it's small, it doesn't matter that it doesn't have a lasting effect on an image bearer of God to transgress his law. We act like it's not a big deal. Well, and that is such an act of rebellion because when you're a kid, you're listening to your father. And and of course, ultimately our authority is God. The father's and, authority comes from God. And so right, and that's for you to say like, well, I don't fully understand that in my finite, minimal little kid's state. So I'm just going to reject what you say, dad. Like, I'm just going to do what I want because I don't see the consequence. And it's like, of course you don't. You're a kid. kid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, little human. Of course you don't see it. That's what we say to God. But I do. And I'm saying don't. You're a creature. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's why you don't see it. And I'm saying don't do it. Right. So listen to me. I know what's best for you. Right. Yeah. That was a really jumbled way for me to say... I'm glad that my dad wanted me to be self-disciplined in the little things like getting up on time, making it to school on time, doing my homework. As a little kid, I couldn't completely comprehend the importance of that because in the grand scheme of life, my alarm going off, my homework being turned in. You know, those are not massive. Yeah, those are not massive consequential things. But what I'm saying is these little faithfulnesses over a lifetime turn into something massive, just like those little sins over a lifetime of not being dealt with turn into something massive. It's a lot easier to teach a five-year-old not to steal a cookie than to deal with with a 35-year-old who cannot control their hands yeah before the concrete is hardened those are two different things and it's the same thing with self-deception it's like how long have you been telling yourself this story Mm. about your apathy Mm -hmm. your lying your laziness your anger your bitterness because the longer you tell yourself that story just that much harder it's going to be to let go of that story and to break it and to fight it and to turn it into something else. And it's like, you lie to yourself long enough. You start to believe that's, that's, that's what it's a big deal. Seven year old summer (laughs) that Satan is the father of lies. Like being a liar puts you, you're playing for the other team. And that includes when you lie to yourself, when you lie to yourself, you're playing for the other team. Who is your father? 
Yeah. Right. Who are you putting God your trust in? God the Father in? or the yeah. Father of Lies, who's, by the way, Satan. Right. Um, and it goes hand in hand with storytelling because it's in Second Timothy 6. Women who do not do their duty, they're not busy at home. What do they become? They could become gossips and busybodies. And then they go about deceiving other people. Collecting stories, disseminating stories with a few and details they end up. And who are they playing for? They're playing for Satan. They're playing right. for the father of lies. And uh, so that is that is the duty of the Christian is to be humble. There's it requires humility to take an honest inventory. Mm-hmm. And yes, mm-hmm. you should depend on other people. Ask your spouse. Be in community. Other people can see you. That's important. But you also have to have the self discipline and the self rule and the the willingness to be humble to take that honest inventory. Look inside and take a hammer to whatever needs to be ultimately crushed and be willing to do it not by the standard of your old self or how you were before you were saved. Like the standard is not you. The standard is the Bible. The standard is what God has said. The standard is God's word. That's his will for your life, his will for who you should be, his will for what your internal monologue should be is God's word. And it does take a willingness to be critical um, of yourself in the right way. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Amen. I I don't know if I could add anything to that. I think, yeah. I I love what happened here today. Yeah. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) I love what happened here today. This is good. No, I. (laughs) Me too. Maybe maybe one more thing. Yeah. Um, Okay. Stories, believing the right word. Trusting God's story by faith and his plan, rejecting alternative words. You know, we're, we are a culture full of diviners and we listen to divination. We listen to sorcery, which the Bible equates with rebellion, (laughs) witchcraft is rebellion. And so we have the choice as believers. God has given us his spirit. Mm. He has empowered us, Mm. right? Again, killing sin is a Christian activity, right? This is not moral reformation. This is actually Holy Spirit empowered service and activity. We have the ability to obey by God's power and reject the false stories, Um, you know, reject all the lies we're being told and instead hear, believe, Mm. and obey. Mm. Amen. Well, you can leave us a voicemail. (laughs) Might get a few. 470. I think they'll be good. (laughs) I think everyone. Are you guys okay? You guys are great. You guys appreciated that. <laughs> Is everyone okay out there? You Annie, can are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Voicemail 470-465-0475. Zach, thanks for coming back. Oh, it's been awesome. We what a pleasure. We took a ton of your time. Um, I'm going to post. He kept referring to that article, so I'm going to oh, post yeah, yeah. that. I'm going to post that. And your new tract is here. Yeah, it's over there in the other room. Go grab Just one. Saw it, yeah. Okay, hey. Yep. It'll yeah. go up on the store soon. So. Oh, that's Kyle, ex- Kyle gets back on Monday. So That's exciting. All right. That's it. You guys, thanks. Bye. See you next week. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Song. 
Call me into his presence with a song.